This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Well, hey, this morning we are going to pick back up in our series in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew as we learn to live out the way of Jesus by listening to the words of Jesus. And if you remember on the outset of the series, I told you that the words of Jesus might not sound like what you thought and that the way of Jesus might not look like what you had been taught. And Jesus, he began this sermon with the Beatitudes. And what we saw there was that the blessed way of Jesus does two things. One, it, it compassionately, uh, or it humbly loves God out of, out of meekness and dependence on God, right? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but also compassionately loves others, extending mercy, pursuing peace, and even suffering persecution. And that as followers of Jesus, rather than being passive spectators, we are active participants seeking both the good of the world and the glory of God as salt and as light. And then we had this section where Jesus confronted our misunderstandings of what God has said. Jesus said, well, you've heard it said not to murder, not to commit adultery. Jesus showed us how anger is the same as murder and how lust is the same as adultery. And he taught us that rather than retaliating and seeking vengeance when we have been wronged, that we're actually called to sacrifice our honor, to lay down our rights and endure persecution for the good of others. Because the way of Jesus is ultimately a way of love. Even loving our enemies, Jesus says, and praying for those who persecute us. Imagine gathering as a house church in Afghanistan and praying for the Taliban today. And yet that's what Jesus has called us to do. But not only has he, he confronted our misunderstanding of what God has said, he, he's confronted our self-centered motives uh, for obeying what God has said when we give, when we pray, and when we fast. And then Jesus, he went on to show how faithfully following him, it involves uh, trusting God today with what lies ahead tomorrow, doesn't it? how it involves confronting our own sin before confronting the sin of others. As every step on this journey is taking, taken in humility and taken out of love, love for God and love for others, because the way of Jesus is a way of love. As we come to the close of this sermon now, Jesus, he closes by giving us three warnings that we're going to look at over the course of these next three weeks. And he conveys each warning by contrasting two different things. This morning, we're going to see that he contrasts two ways in which we are called to live our lives. Next week, we're going to see two sources of truth that guide our lives. And the following week, two foundations upon which we are called to build our lives. And so if you haven't already, let's go ahead and let's grab our Bibles. Grab your Bibles and let's open them up to the New Testament book of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 7. And we're going to look at the first of these three warnings in verses 13 and 14 this morning in a sermon that we're calling Two Ways, right? Two Ways. And as I read this passage, I want you to listen as Jesus compares our lives to a journey. And he contrasts here, he contrasts two, two gates, uh, two different paths, two different ways of living that lead to two very different destinations. So look at with me here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. 
For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So he says that this journey that we are on, it begins at a gate, doesn't it? A, a doorway that opens to a path that lies ahead and leads to the destination. But notice there's not just one gate, right? There's, there's two gates. And, and one gate, he says, is, is wide open. And there's a whole crowd going through that gate. But the other, he says, is narrow, uh, more like a, a turnstile, if you will. And Jesus says that those who find this gate Those who enter through this gate are few. And so right away, we find ourselves faced with a decision, don't we? Which gate are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the wide gate or the narrow gate? Are you going to choose the one that most everybody else is going through or the one that very few have chosen? I mean, there must be something about that wide gate that's drawn so many to it, right? And in the words of one of my favorite 90s bands, Soul Asylum, any Soul Asylum fans, you remember them? I heard laughter is not amens, okay. (laughs) 90s were a lot longer ago than I realized, weren't they? So they had this line in the song, like, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And so maybe the crowd knows something you don't. I mean, a group of people that big can't be wrong, can they? We've never seen that happen. So which is it? The wide or the narrow? Which pill are you going to take, the red pill or the blue pill? But unlike Morpheus, who didn't give Neo much to go on, no, Jesus here, he... He doesn't leave us guessing on which gate to choose, does he? he? He doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. There's no riddle to figure out. No, Jesus, he comes right out and he says, enter by the narrow gate. And this narrow gate, this doorway that Jesus is calling us to enter through, to step through, is none other than himself. See, in, in John 10, In one of the I am statements, we see Jesus say, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the very gate that my people enter through. I am the door. And he goes on to say that if anyone would enter by me, then here's what awaits you on the other side. And he lists three things. Number one, he says, you will be saved because Jesus is the gateway to salvation. He is the uh, gateway to forgiveness. He is the gateway back to God, to intimacy with God, abiding in his presence. But not only that, number two, he says you'll be able to go in and out because Jesus offers both freedom and protection on this journey that lies ahead. See, as the flock uh, is brought into the pen of the sheepfold at night, it's brought in for protection from the, from the dangers of the night, but then they're free to go out the next day, and they're free to go out to the third thing that he says, which is to find pasture, because Jesus also offers provision. He sustains us on the journey that lies ahead when we step through this gate. And so you might be thinking, like, what's the catch? I mean, Jesus, he's inviting anyone and everyone to enter by this gate, to enter through him. And everything your heart ultimately and deeply desires awaits you on the other side of this gate. It is found in him. And so why? Why would anyone ever choose the other gate? Like, why isn't the crowd headed to the, to the Jesus gate? I think there's a few reasons. I'm going to share five with you. Number one, I think... I think some people are unaware. They're unaware. They may not know that the gate exists, right? Jesus says those who find it are few. Some may not know it exists. Some may not know that there's a difference between the gates, right? They see the crowd headed one way, so they go the same way. And I think what we see here 
is an evangelistic aspect to this warning. That there is a responsibility that each of us have that have already entered through the narrow gate, that knows what lies on the other side. And that responsibility is to tell others what lies ahead. I mean, think about it. You ever, um, I'm not going to say I've done this, which means I've done this. Uh, You ever accidentally walked into the wrong restroom before? Yeah, no show of hands. You verbally raised your hands right there. You walk into the wrong restroom, but imagine this. Imagine somebody sees you do it, okay? They just stand there watching. I wonder if he's going to do it. Oh, yeah, he did it, right? And they never say anything to you. Like, don't be that person. You see someone going through the wide gate, don't just stand there and watch them. Tell them, no, that's not the right way. This is the way. Enter by the narrow gate. Some are just unaware. And it is our responsibility to point people to Jesus, to point them to the gate. And it is our responsibility to help more people know Jesus, to help them enter through the gate. But not only that, I think some people, uh, I think some feel unworthy to step through. You may think, I, I, I don't deserve, I don't deserve to enter through. You, you, you feel the shame of everything you've done and, and and you think, I, I got to fix myself up first. I, I, I see it over there, but I got I to gotta, I gotta get some things right before I do. I got to get myself together first. But what I need you to hear, what I need you to hear is Jesus is inviting you to step through just as you are. You don't need to fix yourself up just as you are. Your past does not prevent you from the life that Christ is offering you. Some are unaware, some are unworthy, And number three, I think some are filled with doubt. I think some doubt that Jesus is actually able to do everything that he's promised to do. You've been let down so many times, I just, I'm not sure I can trust him. And yet what God says is that each and every one of his promises are fulfilled in him. They find their yes in Jesus. Like some are, some of us, Let's be honest, all of us. Uh, we're, we're filled with a little bit of pride, aren't we? Just a little bit, a wee bit of pride. And uh, sometimes we're so, so stubborn that if somebody tells you to go one way, you're going to automatically go the other way, right? Uh, on vacation, the number of times where uh, maps told me to go one way, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go this way. And if it had told me to go that way, I'd have gone this way, right? We're filled with pride. We're stubborn. If someone tells us to go left, we go right. Someone tells you to stand, you sit. Someone tells you to sit, you stand. We just don't like being told what to do. And I think that's, that might have something to do with why Jesus began the Beatitudes saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But then number five, I think a big one is that we're afraid. I think we're afraid and we fear. I think we're afraid of what we might have to leave behind on this journey. And I think we're afraid of what lies ahead on this journey. See, the gate is narrow, and what that means is we're not going to be able to get everything through. That massive suitcase of everything that you want to bring with you, you don't want to give anything up, that suitcase ain't going to fit through that gate. It's too narrow. Back home, we've got a, um, back home, that sounds like I live like eight hours away. In our house, not eight hours away, uh, we've got this kitty gate attached to the top of the, uh, the stairs that go to the basement. 
And uh, we, we, we put it in there and secured it in to keep the boys from tumbling down the stairs. And then we kept it up to keep Alice from running down the stairs. Alice is our dog, by the way. Uh, and so here's the thing. You've got to go through that narrow little kitty gate to get from the kitchen uh, to the side door to go out to the car in the driveway or to go around to the backyard. And it is super narrow and it is super annoying, especially when you're loading or unloading the car for vacation. And so we just, typically we avoid it altogether. We, we take the long way around. We go out the front door of the house, around the house to the car in the driveway and, and just, just avoid it. Because it's easier. We don't have to give anything up then. And I think that's how we've come to view the narrow gate that Jesus is calling us to enter through. See, we're not able to get everything through that we want to. And so we go another way. We go an easier way. We go a way that doesn't ask us to to give anything up, that we don't have to leave anything behind because we're afraid of what we might have to leave behind. We, we search for a way that doesn't ask us to change our life, but allows us to enter on our own terms because we're afraid of what lies ahead. And one of the many things I love about Jesus is he doesn't ever do a bait and switch on us, does he? No, Jesus isn't tricking you into the gate. Now, he came right out and he told his disciples that following him would come at a cost, didn't he? A significant cost. He says later on in chapter 16, he says, if anyone would come after me, if anybody would follow me, he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. John Stott in his commentary on this passage, he says, for we cannot follow Christ unless we have first denied ourselves. I think the gate's narrow on purpose. It's not meant to let everything pass through. And so as, as we follow Jesus, there are things in this life that we are going to need to leave behind in order to faithfully follow Jesus. But what I need you to know, it is so, so, so worth it. And of all these reasons, I think, I think this one, I think that fear, that being afraid is the primary reason why so many are headed to that wide gate because they can get that big suitcase through. They know they can't over here. And so what I need you to hear is that while the world may accept you as you are when you step through the wide gate, it's going to leave you as you are. But man, when you step through that narrow gate, I need you to hear that Jesus He's going to accept you just as you are, but he will not leave you as you are, will he? No, he will change you. You will change. You will grow. That's why I need you to hear Jesus calling out to you, enter by the narrow gate. Come to me. And what we see next is that on the other side of this gate lies a path. And Jesus Jesus declared himself to be the gate and called you to enter through that gate, receiving salvation from Christ as Savior, right? Surrendering surrendering your life to, to Christ as King, submitting your life to Christ as Lord over your entire life. What we see is that Jesus also declared himself to be the way. In John 14, as Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples in the upper room on the day before he was crucified, he says to them in John 14, he says, "'Let not your hearts be troubled.'" Believe in God. Believe also in me. It says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, 
that I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to there myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, he says to them there, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How, how could we know the way? Jesus, we need a map. We need some directions. And Jesus said to him, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus here, he is inviting you. He's inviting all of us to enter into this lifelong journey of faithfully following the way of Jesus. Right, Not as one of many ways to God, but as the singular, exclusive, only way back to the Father. And that's not a message that our world wants to hear, is it? Our world says that view is too narrow. That view is too closed-minded. That view is too intolerant. Instead, they want that feel-good message that sounds a bit more uh, like uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. That's just a fancy word that basically says that God created the world, and then he just kind of sat back and watched this movie that he created. He created, and he sits back, and he simply wants us to be good, moral people, and that our goal is to pursue happiness, to feel good, to do what makes us feel good, and that good people who do good things, those are the ones who will experience an afterlife. And do you notice what's missing in that story? It's missing Jesus. It's missing any mention of a Savior because there's no mention of sin in that story. There's no need for a Savior to do what you are incapable of doing because it says that you can do it yourself. You can unlock the power in you. And that's why we hear people like Oprah say things like, um, one of the mistakes human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live. It says there are millions of ways to be a human being, and many ways, many paths to what you call God. He says, there couldn't possibly be just one way. And yet that's exactly what Jesus said. He says, I am the singular way. I am the truth. I am the way to life. And that nobody comes to the Father, nobody comes to God except through me. And so Jesus either is who he says he is or he isn't. Right? He can't be one of many ways if he claimed to be the only way. And to say that Jesus is the way, it means to follow in his footsteps, doesn't it? Not simply where he walked. We're not called to go back to Israel, as great of a trip as that would be, and, and actually step foot in his footsteps. No, it's called to walk the way in which he walked. To walk how he walked. Faithfully following the way of Jesus in obedience to the words of Jesus, allowing those words to shape you and to form you more and more into the image of Christ, right? Growing each and every day to be more and more like Jesus. And the longer you go on this journey, what you come to see is that growth typically occurs in the valleys. 
The growth occurs during trials. The growth occurs when you are tested. Because see, the wide gate leads to an easy path, but the narrow gate leads to a difficult path, a, a hard path. But what else would we expect? What else would we expect? Isn't that what Peter said in, in 1 Peter 4? He says, uh, do not be surprised, my brothers, at the fiery trial that comes upon you as though something strange were happening to you. He says, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed to you. We're following after the one that Isaiah said would be despised and rejected by his own people, the one who was oppressed and afflicted, the one who was accused but was innocent, the one who was beaten to the brink of death and who was nailed to the cross. Man, this path leads to death. We, we follow after the suffering servant who gave his life for us out of his love for us. That is the way of Jesus, amen? That is who we follow. It is a way of selfless, sacrificial love to others that brings glory to God. No wonder the crowd chose the wide gate and the easy path. No wonder they chose it. It's easier. It is more comfortable. It is more convenient. And the longer we travel on the hard path through the narrow gate, the more that I think, if we're honest, we, we, we've all experienced days where we question, is this worth it? it is, is Jesus worth it? I, I think I'm ready to wave the white flag and throw in the towel. Is it worth the cost? Because it's feeling like it's too much. Because if we're honest, I think some days, some days it's easy to get lost on the way, isn't it? The way is hard and it's easy to get lost on the way. We become distracted, especially uh, when you go about this journey alone. Jill took the boys to Costco the other day, and um, being the good mom she is, she saw one of them, and I'm not going to mention the name. She saw one of them starting to wander away, and uh, he wasn't looking. And so she kept her eye on him, and she kept going. And after a bit, he, he did one of these. Where, where'd mama go? He saw her, and he went over to her, and he's like, you, you left me. She's like, no, I was leading. You left me. You need to stick by me. Those, those are the times when God sounds so silent you can't hear him. There are times when God feels so distant you, you can't feel him. And it's easy to look at God and say, you left me, God. And God doesn't smack us on the hand, though, does he? No, our loving Heavenly Father, he looks at us and he puts his arm around us and he says, no, no, no. No, I've been here the entire time. You're the one that drifted away from me. See, on this journey, we, we need a map. And guys, I know that's tough. We don't like asking for directions, but man, we need a map. We need directions. We need traveling companions on this journey because when we are not in the word, our, our map, if you will, uh, we're prone to get lost. And when we go about this journey alone without others, we are prone to drift away, prone to wander the hymn says. And so we need the word. We need each other to keep us from getting lost because, man, it's easy to get lost. 
But not only that, it's easy to look for shortcuts on the way, isn't it? It's easy to look for shortcuts on the way. It's easier to, to, to take the easier route, a route that avoids suffering, that avoids valleys, that avoids the twists and turns. We, um, when we're driving, uh, I get really bad car sick, so I drive like 102% of the time in our car. And uh, I'll ask Jill and the boys sometimes, it's like, y'all want to take the scenic route? Or you want to take the shortcut? You want to take the scenic route? First question out of their mouth every time. How curvy is it, Dad? Are we getting sick? We keep a puke bucket in the car because of the scenic routes that we take sometimes. And so we, uh, we spent a week on vacation at a cabin outside the Smoky Mountains. And um, as we got closer to the cabin, I asked, I was like, you want to take the scenic route? He's like, I don't know about you, but this interstate is getting boring. It's just, mm. it's like what you think driving through Iowa is. Um, driving through Iowa is way more exciting than that. There's a, there's a little one of these. And there's that one point in Interstate 80 where it does one of these. It does. It does. It's really awesome. You should try it sometime. This isn't about Iowa. This is about a cabin in the mountains. But the interstate was boring. I was like, you know what? Let's, we don't live in a mountainous area. Let's go enjoy this road, the beauty of this road. And I pulled off, and oh my gosh, the road was narrow. Uh, like every time you met a car, it was like you were driving like five miles an hour to try and do this little dance in a little one-way road. And it was curvy, and for the first time in my life, my hands were at 10 and 2, just like your instructor said, okay? I had my eyes on the road. I was not paying. You know the road's tricky when I turn the radio off. We were listening to this awesome audiobook that Rincey recommended, pause, because mm, I like my family. I don't want to kill them. It was harder. But man, it was way more beautiful. But see, we are a people obsessed with shortcuts, aren't we? We are a people obsessed with efficiency. We want the easiest, quickest, most direct route possible. And when we do, it causes us to miss out on so much. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of what Jesus says in the message, he says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The way to life, the way to God, it is vigorous. And it requires your total attention, just like that single lane road that's twisting and turning. But what I think this, one of the many things this pandemic is, has revealed to many of us is that we lack contentment, don't we? We do. We lack contentment. Because the phrase I keep hearing, and I think I've even uttered it myself, is it, it's something along the lines of, nothing's working. Nothing is like it was. Nothing's the way I want it to be. Nothing's working. And so what we do is we start rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Right? What we do is uh, we're seeing people leaving jobs. We're seeing people leaving relationships. We're seeing people leaving churches behind. We're seeing people moving. And they're thinking that the thing they're leaving is what is broken. And hear me, sometimes it is. Sometimes we need to get away. There's always an asterisk on that. I'm not saying every time, but a lot of times that seems what's happening. And we're looking for a shortcut to what it is that we want. We're seeking a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist. He said, uh, he described this phenomenon that we're seeing as this. He says, we're seeking external solutions to internal problems. We're not reflecting on what it is that's actually troubling us. We're not acknowledging our lack of contentment, and so we're looking for something else to fix it. We're putting that responsibility on someone else. That if I just move over here, everything's going to be fine, but all you did was you moved everything with you. 
And the kicker is we live in a world full of snake oil salesmen, don't we? We live in a world full of snake oil salesmen promising shortcuts in life for just $275 plus tax and shipping. Peterson, he continues saying, don't fall for that stuff. Don't fall for the shortcut that promises what you think is there. Don't chase the carrot. Don't chase the rabbit, even though the crowds of people are doing it. No, stay the course. Stay faithful. Knowing, knowing that it is easy to get lost on this journey. Knowing that it is easy to want to find a shortcut on the way. And number three, knowing that it's easy to get tired on the way. Just flat out exhausted. The key to running a long race is finding a sustainable pace, right? One that you can maintain throughout the race. A couple of years ago, I ran my first two half marathons. Don't you hate it when preachers brag in their sermon about something they did a long time ago and haven't done since? (laughs) My goal, though, for these two half marathons was, and I say half because we got people in this room who've run like 20 full marathons, a lot more. So my goal, though, was to be able to run what we call a negative split, run run the first half actually a bit slower than the second half so that you could pace yourself through the whole thing. And that's easier said than done when it comes to following Jesus, I think many of us found. I began vacation three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, exhausted. I was out of gas. It felt like I had been running a sprint these past couple of years, and I, was, I wasn't pacing myself. I was, there was no gas in the tank. And, and as a result, um, I, I was short on patience with others. I was short on empathy for others. I was running a pace that was unsustainable. And I needed that extended time of rest because I had neglected the regular rhythm of rest. See, I don't know if you know this, but when we enter through the narrow gate and we start this journey of faithfully following Jesus, God, um, he built these little benches along the way. Do you know that? We often don't look off to the side. We're so focused on where we're going and how quick we're going to get there and that I got there 30 seconds faster than the last time I went to my in-law's house that we forget these benches. We forget these little rest areas along the journey that God's built into the path. See, God gave us this gift of rest uh, to be a regular rhythm in our life as we follow Jesus. He gave us a, a daily rhythm of one of the most glorious things ever created in the history of the world, and that is sleep. And all God's people said, amen. The other rhythm he gave us was a weekly rhythm of Sabbath. And for the last three weeks, I, I disconnected. To the point that I said, if you, my out-of-office reply said, if you send me an email, it's, just, it's going to get deleted. I won't even look at it. So here's how to reach out to Pastor Rob. Here's how to reach out to Tim, the elders. Or you know what? You can send it to me again uh, when I get back. And sure enough, somebody sent me their email again yesterday. I disconnected. No email, no phone. I shut off text messaging. I, I got off social media, except I created this little like special sports following on Twitter because you know, I knew uh, NBA free agency was coming up. And we got Lonzo Ball, and that was really awesome. And I uh, kind of wanted to see that. I slept a lot. I napped. I ate too well. I had fun with my family. We swam. We played putt-putt. We were at a, I think we played putt-putt like five times in like three days. 
one of these little old rundown courses. We love the old rundown courses. And uh, we had fun. I read a really great book. Uh, I read a great book. We listened to a couple incredible audio books. We had a great time. And, and the thing that I found was as I, as I disconnected from all this other stuff, I, like, I devoured my Bible in a way that I hadn't in a long time. And I began to realize something. Is that if you need a break from following Jesus, you're not faithfully following the way of Jesus. If you're finding yourself needing a break from your relationship with Jesus, then something's not right. Either something's not right in here or something's not right out here. And you're not faithfully following the way of Jesus. And I put a big asterisk in my note. I put an asterisk because I want to acknowledge that there are times that we come out of seasons of abuse and hurt because of the church. And there are going to be times we just need to slow down a bit. And there's going to be seasons where you might need to just be with God and just be with each other and worship. That's going to happen, okay? That's what that big asterisk is. We good with that one? I don't want, we got so many people who are fitting into that asterisk, I feel like. But if we need a break from following Jesus, if we think, I'm going I'm to put, put church on hold, I'm going to put other Christians on hold, I'm going to put my Bible back on the shelf, I'm going I'm to put prayer back in the closet. If we need a break from that, something wasn't right. Something wasn't right either in our hearts, in our minds, or in the environment that we find ourselves in. And I'm not saying that to you, I'm saying that was the realization I had about me. And so what I've been trying to do this week is seeking to establish more sustainable pace. And I feel like a broken record because I feel like I say that to myself about every other year. But I, I know I need to renew these rhythms of rest and of diet and of exercise. Uh, you guys remember I was, uh, my car got ran into a couple months ago and we found out it got totaled. And uh, we haven't bought a replacement car yet, so I've been riding my bicycle to work. Um, also, do you know, like, bicycle seats are really hard and uncomfortable. Uh, I want to get one of those great, big, huge, cushy seats because I get in in the morning and it hurts. I'm trying to renew those rhythms. I'm trying to find a better balance between family and work, and that's hard when, when your, your work is here. It, it's for God, and you, know, you want to give Him everything, but I can't sacrifice my family as a result of that. And as I describe all of this, I'm going to venture to guess I'm not the only one who feels that right now, who feels tired, who feels out of gas, uh, who feels a little cranky. Uh, it was hangry about a year ago. Now you're just cranky because um, we've eaten really well in the last year and a half, haven't we? I venture to guess I'm not the only one. And here, here's what I want to offer up to you. If that's you, if you can relate with any of that. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. I'd love to hear how you're doing. And I'm anticipating you're going to come in and say, Pastor Ash, I'm not doing well. But I want to hear that. I want to see how I can help. And so here's what I want you to do. You know, at the end of the service, when Pastor Rob comes up to do the announcements and y'all check out, don't check out today. He's got some important announcements today. He's got important announcements every Sunday. Uh, but this one's really important. And when he gets to that info card, there's a box on there that says, I want to meet up with Pastor Ash. Check that box. Check that box, and here's what will happen. About 1, 2 in the morning, tomorrow morning, you're going to get an email with a link to my calendar, and you're going to be able to see all my availability. 
Uh, I was totally blocked off this week as I was trying to get back into the rhythm, but you'll see my availability. And I'd love for you to come in. Let's meet up. Let's grab some coffee. I just want to hear how you're doing. I may not have any way to help, but sometimes we just need to share it, don't we? And know that we're not the only one that's tired. But there's another danger that comes as we follow Jesus, and that is that sometimes we get tired and we sit down, and unlike Chumbawamba says, we don't get back up again. Two 90s music references today. (laughs) And I think that's been true for many of us during the pandemic, hasn't it? Like, this thing's been absolutely exhausting. It's been physically exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It is spiritually, whatever Lee type of exhausting it can be, it is, isn't it? And, And I know what happens is some of you, you sat down last March. You sat down last March as it got going, as most everything was shutting down. And here we are 18 months later and you haven't gotten back up again. You're still sitting. You hit pause on your faith and never hit play again. And rather than actively following Jesus, you're sitting and watching Jesus. And as a result, you've probably noticed that there's been little to no growth. You've probably noticed that God sounds more and more silent. God feels more and more distant. And your faith may feel stuck. And you find yourself saying it's not working. Jesus is not working. And because so many of us are there, have been there, are going to be there, what we're going to do is next month, we're going to start a new sermon series in the Old Testament prophet of Haggai. You know, every year uh, we, we pick a minor prophet and we go through them. These, these 12 dudes that outside of Jonah, nobody really knows. And uh, so we're going to go through Haggai. Hey, guy. And uh, any, I keep thinking of the Crudes. Anybody see the Crudes cartoon? There's a, person, there's a guy in there called Guy. I'm like, hey, guy. We should just put him on the uh, sermon graphic. But instead, we put this on the sermon graphic. And you may have heard me say that um, we pursue what we prioritize, don't we? If we, if we want to pursue it, we got to prioritize it. And so together, what we're going to do is we're going to get up off that bench. We're going to get up off that bench, and we are going to renew our priorities as we renew our pursuit of God. We renew our pursuit of each other, right? Our friends, our family, our church family. And we renew our pursuit of our neighbor. Because hear me, I love you and I need you to hear this. Your faith cannot afford to wait for this pandemic to end for you to get back up and hit play. We need to renew these pursuits. We need to renew these rhythms and let's do it together. Because Jesus, he's not only calling us to enter by the narrow gate, he's calling us to follow me on a way that is hard. But what we also see is that it is a way that ultimately leads to life. See, while there's many other paths, they all lead to destruction, Jesus says. They're not other ways that lead to God. They all lead you further and further and further away from God. Jesus is the only gate who opens to the only way that leads to life, to eternal life, to to God, to his love, to his presence, to that joy and peace we desire, to that intimacy that we we crave. And that eternal life, it, it begins the moment you step through 
that gate. And you experience it with greater fullness with every step along the way until you take your final breath on earth and we enter paradise in the very presence of God, the destination of this journey. And so I want to close this morning by asking you a question. I want you to ask yourself, like, what gate have you entered? Or maybe you're still standing there looking at the gate. What gate have you entered? What path are you pursuing? What way are you living your life? Are you faithfully following the way of Jesus or are you faithfully following your own way? And where does that path that you are pursuing lead you to? What is the destination at the end of that path? There's only two options there's two gates, there's two paths, there's two destinations. I think we all have a step to take on this journey that we're on. And my prayer for each one of you is that God would provide the wisdom to know what step to take, that he would provide the courage to take that step, that he would provide the strength to take the next step, and that he would provide the fellowship and encouragement from others as we take these steps together. And so hear me, if you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, he is inviting you this morning to enter by the narrow gate and to follow him. If you feel undeserving, know that it is by his unmerited grace that you have been saved. If you feel afraid, know that Jesus promised he will never leave you or forsake you on the way, but he will be with you always until the end of the age, until we reach that destination. And if you are filled with doubt, I need you to hear that God has said that every promise he has ever made finds its yes in Jesus and is fulfilled in and through him. And if you're not faithfully following the way of Jesus, notice I didn't, I haven't said the word Christian lately. I'm not sure if we understand really what that word means. It's kind of lost. I mean, are you faithfully following the way of Jesus? You may have professed faith in Christ. Your sins may have been forgiven. I am not questioning your salvation. I'm questioning your, your journey. Are you faithfully following the way of Jesus? If you're lost, if you've drifted away, if you are frustrated by the shortcuts that only leads to dead ends, if you are tired and exhausted, I need you to hear what Jesus has to say. He is calling out to you, follow me. He says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The gate is narrow. The path is hard. The destination is beyond anything that the eye of man has seen or heart of man imagined. But his yoke is easy. And so I want to invite you on this day to renew your pursuit of Jesus in faithfully following Jesus. And in a moment, we are, we are going to come to the Lord's table and we are going to partake in the Lord's Supper as we remember the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross out of his love for us to make a way back to God, to give us a restored relationship with God. We are going to remember that and we are going to recelebrate that restored relationship with God. And so 
I'm going to give us a moment of silent prayer to to pray, and my prayer is that in this moment, God would lay on your heart that next step for you, whatever that might be, in following Jesus. And then I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to lead us in taking communion together. And so I want to invite you this time to go ahead and bow your heads for a moment of silent prayer. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.